Welcome to Inside the Upside Down on the Mike Ricksecker audio journey on MikeRicksecker.com. Welcome to Inside the Upside Down. We are going to be talking about ancient origins tonight, ancient civilizations, all that great stuff. I'm Mike Ricksecker, your host, ghostorian and author. With me is our chat shenanigator, Shauna, and also the love of my life. So <laughs> she has many different hats that she wears around here. So um need to thank Chanel, who gave us a $2 super chat in between the shows. Thank you very much, Chanel, for that. And for all of those newcomers out there, if you have not yet, please go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Click that little bell icon to get notifications. You're supposed to get notifications whenever we go live. And, uh, you know, sometimes YouTube kind of acts up and is a little squirrely sometimes, which is why we have the White Rabbit Notification Squad. So uh, you guys go ahead, get out there, share that stuff so that uh, those who didn't get the notification know that the show is on. And uh, Donna Gorton's the one that organizes that. So, uh Thank you much. Thank you very much, Donna. So, really need to thank uh, Dale Kazmarek for a great show on Edge of the Rabbit Hole. That was absolutely wonderful, and I know we had a bunch of questions, more questions for him. So, but you guys will see him at the Honor Road Media Paracon. All those who will be going to that, and uh, that's only a week and a half away. Shauna, can you believe that? I'm definitely ready for it. <laughs> a lot of people are. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty epic event for our first run. So, it's it seems like it. we got uh, a lot of great people are going to be there. A lot of great speakers. A lot of great vendors. We have the paranormal investigation that night. There's going to be the Goldenrod Showboat exhibit. We have live music going on. Uh, you know, for the uh, speakers and vendors, there's actually going to be food. And uh, you know, so and then we have to thank uh, Dave and Donna for uh, everything that they've done to help us out with that. Um, you know, and everybody else has helped us out with that. You know, Bonnie, you know, Vanessa, um, you know, anybody on the sidelines have been supportive. You know, all you guys. So, all right. So let's get into this. Now, this is a uh, we're getting into. I know we've done history on this show before. We haven't done a lot with ancient history, and this is actually a topic that I started talking about about three years ago. I was doing a lot more research into ancient history, ancient civilizations, it, its relationship with the paranormal, uh, the different mysteries that are still out there that we still need to uncover. Um, kind of inspired, Shauna, <laughs> by the stuff you've been, uh, of course, visiting you this past weekend, the stuff that you've been listening to put yourself to sleep. And I was like, you know, need to get back into that stuff. So... Yeah. It didn't used to put me to sleep, you know. Every video in that playlist um, I've watched at some point, and that's why mm -hmm. it's a part of the playlist. Um, but, like, whenever you're doing stuff, you listen to documentaries and stuff like yep. that as background noise. And I think, um, you know, it's not that all of a sudden it becomes boring and that's why we fall asleep to it. It's just that... You know, maybe your brain's taking so much in that it needs to shut down and it's still <laughs> processing in there. Um, but some of the some of the um, voices, some of the 
voices, They're just kind of soothing, also, and <laughs> yeah. So I used, probably... to listen, used to listen to Haunted Room Media stuff, a playlist, um, but then I found myself staying up late and watching <laughs> the stuff. And so I figured I better stop, you know, doing. That, so. But you guys should try crashing out the Haunted Road Media playlists. <laughs> We recommend yes. that. Binge watch as much as you can. So what I am going to start this with is a trailer that I had put together almost three years ago of what I, I called it ancient, historic, and supernatural secrets or something like that. And so it kind of gives you a preview of the different topics and areas and historic locations that we were going to cover in that series. And basically this show is kind of going to glaze over... Uh, all of that and we'll, we'll get into a, a couple of specifics we'll have i'm sure we'll have an interesting discussion i saw Pungai fungi already talking about how you know things are probably at least ten thousand years older than they are we'll definitely get into that so all right i'm going to play this trailer shauna like i told you you're not going to be able to to hear it so i do apologize for that so and there is a ten dollar super chat from tom mcnicholas 11 days to alton absolutely so Here's the, uh, so thank you, Tom. And here is the preview. So that's kind of a taste of what that series was supposed to be. Maybe one of these days we'll go ahead and revive it. But for now, we're just going to keep it on inside the upside down right here. And <laughs> how young I was. That was only about seven years ago. Come on. <laughs> I wasn't that young. Jeez. Uh, that's kind of like the uh, the pick that Vanessa threw up there like a couple weeks ago. And everybody was talking about how young we looked. And it was like it was seven years ago. Come on. <laughs> so, all right. So some of you may have recognized some of those different locations that were in there. You know, of course, you know, like the pyramids. Um, you know, some of you may have recognized Gobekli Tepe, if I could say it, Gobekli Tepe. Um, we're going to get into that. Because kind of the, the big question that I always wanted to do for episode number one of this whole thing is, you know, how old is antiquity? How old is civilization you know if you look at you know, mainstream archaeology it's you know basically has us popping up about 5,000 years ago in you know the Tigris and Euphrates you know the uh, Sumer the ancient uh, Sumerians all that 
um, which, yeah, the ancient Sumerians were there and they influenced a lot of what we have going on today. But, you know, I threw out a, uh, you know, go blacky tappy out there and that has kind of thrown a huge monkey wrench into everything that we've kind of known as far as civilization. Because back then, you know, this, this thing is dated about 11,000 years ago. And back then, we were just supposed to be hunter-gatherers, you know, just kind of running around, killing animals, living in caves, that sort of thing, right? Um, fungi, fungi, mainstream archaeology is bullshit. <laughs> well, they have a narrative that they're trying to keep, right? So, of course, I have picks. So let's get into some picks here. So um, so there's uh, Goblaki Tepe. And... Yeah, so this thing pops up out of the ground. And what's interesting about this is it appears to have been purposely buried by the people who built it. And, of course, that lends a big question as to why they would have done such a thing. But this is, you know, a place of worship, a place where people gathered. And, um, you know, they have these, you know, very, very interesting... Um, you know, structures here where, you know, they have the animal carvings, you got the, um, you know, the large, large blocks, you know, that are in the, in the shape of a T and you have to wonder, okay, why did they, you know, why did they hide this? And so, yeah, there's B3 airspace, go back, Utepi is fascinating. It absolutely is. And, you know, who were these people? It's kind of the big question. Who were these people? you know, that, uh, that built this, why did they end up hiding it? Did they know about, you know, cause this is around the time, 11,000 years ago, um, during this whole era, there was a lot of, uh, back and forth, back and forth with the ice ages, the glaciers, what have you. There are times where there was, you know, more water coming to the world. The great flood was around this period of time. So did they know about you know, the Great Flood, um, is that something they were preparing for? They didn't want this damage, they hid it. Was there somebody else coming around that, you know, they wanted to protect it, protect it from? You know, what they have uncovered so far in t 20 years of uncovering it is only about 5%. You know, you, you think of Stonehenge, and this predates Stonehenge by about 6,000 years. Um, you take Stonehenge and you multiply that by like 20 at least, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, this place is, is pretty big. And so it makes you wonder, okay, so if, if civilization, you know, predates, you know, by at least another, you know, five, 6,000 years, at least what else do we have wrong in all this? Um, So, <laughs> Kathy Siliento, I think a carbon dating needs to be re-examined. Um, and see, per Tom, House of Seven Gables in Salem, Mass. Does that have anything to do with history in Salem? Always wanted to know. Um, it's a good question. I don't know if we're really going to get into that this evening, though. Um, in Pungai Fungi, we have advanced technology back then that we lost and had to be rediscovered. Yeah, see... It, it, that's a good point because if you look at this in the way that these structures are situated within that 
circle around there. A lot of people have um, likened these things to tuning forks in that maybe they were collecting energy in all these uh, different circles that are there. You know, not to mention they have all the different pictographs and what have you. So it, it kind of makes you wonder what in the world they were tuning into. So, yeah, Adam Tiller is in the chat talking about Stonehenge. Adam Tiller was just at Stonehenge. And so since we're talking about it, let's let's bring it up. And then, Shauna, I can kind of rope you back in here by talking about Stonehenge because, and there it is, there's Stonehenge. We should actually have a picture of Adam here in front of Stonehenge. So now this was 6,000 years later. And this is really just a part of the original structure that was there. You know, there were the blue stones that were in the middle. There was supposed to be another ring that was around the whole thing. Of course, many different theories as to who built this, who built uh, Gobeki Tepe. Um, but, Sean, I think where maybe you can kind of come back into this on is... Um, oh, I'm sorry. So, go. let me go back here a second. So, I kind of jumped the gun a little bit here. So, uh, Gobeki Tepe, this is in uh, Turkey in the uh, Anatolia region of Turkey. So, and I'll, I'll kind of wrap back up into all that stuff. So Stonehenge, um, of course, there's a lot of, lot of um, theories about what this was used for. You know, was it used for a calendar? Was it, you know, it was almost used as like a power station for energy. Um, you know, it sits, it sits on a ley line, you know, so, uh, we can certainly talk about ley lines here. So an interesting story about this. Um, has anybody heard of the Stonehenge hippies back in 1971? And I know that there's a little bit of a uh, of a delay here. So let's see if anybody's heard of the Stonehenge hippies. So, um, yeah, Sherry Williman. Some people think that Stonehenge is a portal to another dimension. Yeah, some people think that too. That's kind of what the uh the, the stonehenge hippies are all about so let's see i'll give it another couple seconds here b3 airspace yes okay so yeah the the, the stonehenge hippies so in 1971 um the uh the story goes that a uh a group of teenagers were up there in stonehenge uh camping out they were uh, you know, they had a nice little fire going. They were trying to, you know, channel, essentially, within the structure of Stonehenge. And what ended up happening after a while, it was a, uh, it was a police officer that, that observed all this. Um, all of a sudden, there was, you know, lightning, and a storm started rolling in. And because of, you know, all the... Uh, I guess, natural activity from the storm, the, the teenagers, you know, kind of uh, said, okay, you know, I mean, they carried on for a little while, but then, you know, they're like, okay, let's go into the tents here because <laughs> it's getting a little crazy. But they had this tents there like around Stonehenge. Well, the, the police officer observed this blue light just start glowing off of Stonehenge, like basically in a circle. And he heard just these screams and these wails coming from, the teenagers and then all of a sudden dead silence blue light was gone dead silence the teenagers were completely gone so it makes you wonder about 
portal activity. And Shauna, you have some experience with ley lines from being right there in Campsville. So you probably talk a little bit about, you know, the power of ley lines and, you know, in, in portals. And could this have been, you know, some portal activity going on there at Stonehenge with this? Yeah, I, <clears throat> and until I started, you know, working at and exploring and researching the cafe, I had never even really delved too far into anything beyond just spirit activity. Um, but we wanted to know why the place was so active beyond just whatever um, dramatic events, you know, whatever traumatic events had happened in there. You know, why every time we were in that building did we hear different voices, different people just constantly. You know, another investigator came in and said that it was almost like a 7-Eleven, like a truck stop. Like there was just constantly something different in there all the time. And, you know, so Jeannie, who we really need to get on the show. Um, <laughs> yes. We had, we had pondered that, you know, idea amongst ourselves, ley lines, and, and to see, you know, how that affects um if, if it would have any effect, any bearing on that particular location. And according to her, um, from research that she had done and others had done, that the cafe was sitting on, you know, what was called like a connector point, you know, and from what I understand, um, places like that usually have more energy attached to them. And it made perfect sense because... You know, the energy was just, you know, off the charts in that building. And like I said, there was the major players, you know, that I called them, the, the voices that we always heard. Then there was just always somebody new. Every single time we were in there, there was somebody different. Yeah. So. And um, Adam Tillery saying, swear to God or whoever you want, the place gives you a strange buzz talking about Stonehenge. So um, I know Adam had a good time up there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Candy Orton says that she drew a pencil shadow picture as a young child of Stonehenge before she even knew where or what it was. That's pretty interesting. Huh. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, so you have these different places uh, around the world like this that, you know, that harnesses different energy like this. So, you know, it could be one of these, you know, different hinges like this, like Stonehenge, um, like Goblaki Tepe, uh, like the Great Pyramid. You know, a lot of people talk about how, um, you know, the the Great Pyramid could have been, you know, a, you know, a type of power plant harnessing that energy. And, you know, the um, you got the three there in a row that, you know, basically off the, you know, belt of Orion, you know, that tie into you know, all the astronomy, and that's, you know, what a lot of our, you know, ancient ancestors did, is they tied these different monuments into, you know, the the astronomy. So, um, so Tim, Tim Schoen saying, definitely get Jeannie on the show, having Dale took me back to how I met you two initially, that's, that's cool. Um, yeah, you know, Candy is fascinated by the whole ley line thing. Yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting, and, you know, a lot of these different, um, you know, structures like this all tie in, into each other. You know, a lot of them are on that, um, you know, 30 degree uh, parallel, you know, like, uh, you know, like the Great Pyramid, um, you know, the whole Giza Plateau, uh, Angkor Wat in, uh, what was that, Vietnam. Uh, so a lot of them are around there too. You know, so they all seem to tie into each other, have these different connectors. 
So, um, so since we're talking about the pyramids and kind of, you know, the show is on ancient origins and this narrative that we've been given over the years that doesn't seem to be quite accurate. You know, like um, we'll get into, you know, and we did we did some show recently here, Shauna, on fake history, right? So this kind of plays into that too. You know, we we kept it a little more a little bit more recent, a little bit more modern. This is almost like fake history from back in the day, like way back in the day. So let's go to okay, that's Stonehenge. Let's go to the Great Sphinx. So in Pungai Fungi Pyramids were not tombs. No, they weren't. Um, so here's the Great Sphinx. Now people will have you, the mainstream archaeologists, would have you believe this this was built by uh, Pharaoh Khafre. What about four or five thousand years ago? Something like that? Well, here's kind of the uh, the, the problem with this whole setup here. So um, well, for one, I mean, okay, the head's disproportionate from the body, so it's been recarved, it's been reshaped into what it is now. That's not the original head on it. A lot of people believe that it was originally a lion, and to um, you know, to honor the lion would put it into the age of Leo, which um, would predate the age of Pisces, which we're just finishing off now as we enter into the age of Aquarius. Now, each of these ages are 25,000 years apart. Um, and that totally would destroy <laughs> the uh, the timeline that main, mainstream archaeology would have you believe for this thing. And the thing that kind of gives that whole idea credence that when they were first clearing the site, nobody kind of took into account, oh, you know, okay, there's there's the Sphinx. We can say what we want about it. But they kind of forgot about the rest of the site. And this is the Sphinx enclosure. And you can see the weathering pattern here, which is quite obviously done by water. Now, it's been tens of thousands of years <laughs> since there was enough water in this region to make that kind of weathering pattern around the Sphinx. So, yeah, and there's Pungai Fungi water. So, <laughs> Pungai Fungi is definitely into this one. She's on top of it. Um, yeah, so this kind of throws that whole, you know, mainstream archaeology uh, argument of, of the origins of the Sphinx right out the freaking window because that type of water just wasn't in the region during the time frame that they say that the Sphinx was originally built. So it predates, you know, the timeline that they currently have by far. Of course, remember they're they're trying to say, well, you know, civilization, you know, only really came into being about, you know, five thousand years ago. Well, if you have a sphinx structure like that that's you know quite possibly 25,000 years old you know probably older because 25,000 years would be like the end of the age of leo um and the type of water that would have had to been in the region at the time you know 
uh, you know, having to be far before that, you know, you're putting civilization back, you know, a lot, lot earlier. And so, Shama, I, I don't think this is, um, you know, very surprising that we have the kind of quote unquote authority figures kind of giving us a, a line of, you know, bullshit about our original history. Yeah, the possibly because, you know, maybe, maybe they don't think we can handle the truth. Or maybe they don't want us to know the truth. <laughs> I think it's all aliens. Yeah, I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, you know, it could be. And, you know, I know that, I mean, you know, hell, I got to throw this out there. Uh, Giorgio Suclos. Okay, I mean, we all know who he is. He's the guy with the hair. Right, <laughs> we all have seen the meme. I'm not saying it's aliens, it's aliens, but I actually have to give him credit because if you watch any of the shows like Ancient Aliens, nobody knows who most of those people are, but everybody knows Giorgio just because of the hair. So great marketing tactic. I gotta <laughs> give him that. <laughs> um, Tom McNicholas, question: Has there been any spiritual investigation on the answers? Uh, good question. You know, a lot of these. Uh, you know, a lot of these places, people will go and, you know, try to feel it out and see if they can tune into something. Like, Adam was just saying that he was feeling a buzz there at Stonehenge. Um, people will remote view in. And they've said that they've come back with some very, very, you know, interesting tales um, from different, you know, they were basically able to tap into into the past and get stories from, you know, people who had lived there, there at the time. Um, you can take what you want from that. You know, it's um, so it's interesting because people do tap into this energy in various ways. So um, have they gone there? I, people have not gone to, at least as far as I know, people have not gone to the uh, the Sphinx and done a paranormal investigation on it like that. You know, you're not going out there with the SLS camera and, and, and they might be going out there with an audio recorder. You never know. <laughs> but um yeah, I, I don't know of any any team that's actually done like an official paranormal investigation of the Sphinx. It'd be cool though. Bucket list. Yeah, bucket list. There you go. Um, <laughs> did have somebody trying to get us into the Colosseum at one point? That would have been interesting. Um, of course, it didn't happen. So, yeah, the the whole the whole alien thing, and we will touch on it a little bit here. If you go back to, we're going back into, you know, origins. We got to talk about the Sumerians. We got to talk about the Anunnaki. Okay. And it's really kind of interesting. And we'll talk about the two guys here a little bit. Go back into our picks. And where are they? They're down here. So there's Enki and Enlil. So these are kind of the two main Anunnaki gods that interacted with the uh, with the Sumerian people. And what's kind of really interesting about all of this is they they essentially have their own you know idea of the Garden of Eden and they're of course their own creation story and it's you can see how 
a lot of what's you know in the Bible now is kind of derived from all this, and maybe they were, you know, the stories that were passed down, you know, through the ages and, and modified. Um, but basically, uh, Enki supported humanity and wanted to help them. Uh, Enlil was domineering that didn't care much for humanity. So um, their idea of the Garden of Eden for in their culture was not what we think of like the traditional paradise and all that and because of you know the you know grabbing from the uh the fruit of the tree of knowledge you know we were we were cast out of that it was more like um in in their in their version of it it was more that the garden of eden was i don't really want to say well basically it was like humanity was almost enslaved to work in the garden um like i said inlil was you know domineering didn't care much for humanity and so you know humans were there to basically work and cultivate and provide resources for the gods well inky actually cared about humanity and wanted to help them and the giving of the fruit from the tree of knowledge uh inky is actually seen as the serpent in their tales and he's trying to give eve or the woman um not necessarily called eve but trying to give the woman okay here's 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 tools for humanity here's knowledge for humanity here's things that you need to you know make it on your own so that you no longer have to be enslaved by the gods (laughs) so it wasn't this like really casting out um because of some sin that was committed. It was basically like Inky's trying to pull humanity out of slavery. So it's very, very um, different take on creation and the the Garden of Eden. And, um, you know, Shauna, I, I know we've kind of had, you know, some... Uh, you know, religious discussions in the past, not really necessarily need to get too deep into religion here. And I know Vanessa's thrown out there many times on edge of the rabbit hole about how, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, predates the Bible. But, you know, you know, what do you think about that kind of twist on the whole uh, Garden of Eden story and our origins from there? There's a reason why I have that in my playlist. <laughs> I mean, it kind of, you know, it definitely caught my attention and there's other you know stuff in there that's kind of you know along similar lines um you know as you know i'm not really a religious person so i am always open to anything else other than that as a as a as an option and you know so i'm you know very much interested in in that take on it yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely different, and you know, it it almost makes a lot more sense to me, you know. And if it is, if it is aliens, you know, that would make a whole hell of a lot of sense, really. That you know, some some race comes down here from wherever they came from, and they. Uh, you know, they, they need resources, they need to be able to live. <clears throat> they see some inferior, you know, race there. They need they need some workers or whatever. Um, you know, a lot of people speculate that uh, uh, Inky was kind of like the geneticist <laughs> of, of uh, 
of the gods and did the whole you know uh, gene fusion or chromosome fusion that uh, we needed to become you know the human beings that we are um, so it almost makes you know some sense there that that would be the case rather than you know the traditional version uh, that we've heard so um, so <laughs> B3 Aerospace is saying that uh, she thinks there are many Adams and Eves and so yeah, you look at that as more of like, you know, not necessarily Adam and Eve as single individual people, but, you know, as man and woman, as, you know, the, the two different genders. Um, let's see. Somebody said that um, Josh Gates uh, investigated King Tut's tomb. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess he did. So there has been some done there. Um so, Rebecca Gardner, since you're speaking about the Garden of Eden, just curious about the concept that Eve wasn't Adam's first wife and that Lilith was. So, yeah, that, that's, another, that's another take on the whole story. So, <laughs> it's almost kind of like, which, which text do you believe? You know, again, I don't necessarily believe that Adam and Eve were individual people, so to say that Lilith was also an individual, no, but maybe a type of person. Like, um, you know, maybe Lilith was a faction of females different from Eve that was also there at the time. I don't know. What do you think about Lilith, Shauna? Oh, I mean... <laughs> You know, Lilith, to me, if you, you know, follow along with her story, basically said, I don't want no man trying to tell me what to do. Here's how it's going to be. Oh, shit. Now I'm in trouble. You know, and unfortunately, she followed a bad path. But, um, I mean, I kind of like her. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that's funny. I mean, Maybe it happened. You know, maybe it happened that way. It's like I said, I I never really, you know, could say, you know, I know there's probably some religious people in here that, you know, follow the Bible like it's gospel. I was raised religious, and then I chose to leave it entirely because... You know, I refused to believe in something that there were no answers to with no supporting, you know, anything to support. You know, why? Well, it just is because that's what we believe. Well, you know, then why have, you know, other options out there, you know? And so, you know, I just kind of branched off on my own and here I am today. But, um, yeah. I mean, it's like I always told my dad, who I constantly had religious debates with, <laughs> um, if you can produce the actual scrolls and put them in my hands so that I could see what's going on, you know, but that can't happen, and since that can't happen, I can't really, you know. So I'm pretty right. much open to everything at this point. <laughs> I'll, I'll give everything a fair shake, you know, any, every story, every whatever, you know, it's all interesting to me. Um, as for what actually happened, I don't know. I wasn't there. 
Right, and that's kind of the uh, that's kind of the crux. We weren't there, so you know, we you know we're trying to dig for the past as best that we can. So we have these fragments and pieces that you know how much of it was just legend and storytelling, and how much of it was actually real, and it's it's tough to discern. Um, uh, you know, as far as uh, see, Punk Fun guy is saying about Lil that she considered herself an equal and thinks she should not be in the bottom position during sex. Which okay, um, yeah. And see, the thing, you know, way back then there were a lot more matriarchal societies than patriarchal, and eventually patriarchy kind of took over and you know suppressed. Uh, women, which is really a shame. So it's, and they kind of took over and, you know, decided to go to war with each other all the time, where if you have more matriarchal societies, there's not as much war, go figure that. Um, so very, very different back then. And there's a lot of similarities and, and things in common over the, uh, over the planet, kind of all at the same time in cultures that weren't really supposed to be connected because they were in completely different parts of the world and where we see this and we'll go back into our into our picks um that's our uh inky and inlil um where are we so and this is specifically about inky so with with inky he, he basically um, you know, he ended up losing the battle with Enlil. Um, some say he went to Egypt for a while and basically took on the, uh, persona of Osiris. Um, which the interesting stories about Osiris is essentially Osiris was crucified, rose from the dead, and became, uh, resurrected as Horus. Um, but then there's also stories that he ended up as an Aztec god. So after basically bailing out of Egypt, um, he went to um, what what is now Mexico. And this is basically a um, a depiction of Quetzalcoatl, who some people say, yeah, it may be Enki in uh, in the Aztec culture. And you see him here, and this is kind of interesting, you see him here as a, uh, as a form of a serpent. We already talked a little bit about um, Inky being the serpent in the Garden of Eden. He's depicted here as a serpent. And you see he's carrying this sort of handbag thing. And, okay, so what's the deal with the handbag? Well, this isn't the only place that the handbag has been, been seen. Remember, we're just kind of glossing over, kind of glazing over everything. There's a lot, a lot of detail to all of this stuff. But this has also been seen in other cultures, this little handbag. Like, when we are talking about um, Sumerian culture earlier, where Enki is, has come from, and here's the handbags. And there's another handbag pick with the Sumerians. So you see these different parallels here, and they're they're also seen at Go uh, Goblaki Tepe. So 
how are these cultures in all these different parts of the world, and they're not just seen in these three different places, they're seen like in, in many, many different uh, locations. So they seem to have all these different parallels to each other when they're not even near each other at all. So it really makes you wonder how something like that is is really possible given what mainstream archaeology right now is trying to get you to believe about the way the world uh how civilization came to be and how the world was populated so yeah my love i don't expect you to have any insight on uh on ancient handbags but um it's man kind of, bag yeah, man bags there you go they're man bags <laughs> Um, man bags. So, but I don't know. I mean, what what do you think about? I mean, is it too coincidental? <sighs> I mean, I don't, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I've never thought that what everybody was programmed to believe was actually right. So, like I said, I'm, I'm open to just about everything. Um, maybe it's not a coincidence, you know? So. Yeah, the Haglund is saying, I was under the impression that, that the handbag was a weight of the soul. Um, and, and that could be. The interesting thing to me is, you know, how it exists there in all these different cultures in very different time frames. I mean, you, you take a look at where, you know, Iraq is, I mean, we'll just use modern countries right now, Iraq and Mexico, you know, totally opposite ends of the world, um, separated by large oceans. You know, how does that concept get from one place to the other? Like almost seamlessly, you know, it's, um, it, very, very intriguing to me. Of course, I'm not saying it's aliens, <laughs> but there are, <laughs> but there are those that believe that you know a lot of these uh, places were um, uh, what's it was good, um, you know, were, were I don't know planted or influenced or whatever around the same. Um, around the same time frame or by similar peoples or that they tried it in one place and didn't work there so they'll try it another place and see if it works there um, so there's a lot of different theories as to you know how this came to be and none of those ideas seem to be this conventional you know mainstream archaeology of like well we took you know thousands of years to you know come all the way down to you know, where you know uh, Tenochtitlan uh, was at the time with the in the Aztec Empire, and you know it just you know it was coincidence, you know. So <laughs> nice, Don. Maybe we can use the ghost box to ask questions to people way back then. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. So I don't know. And some of those places are way the heck out there. You might not be able to get a radio frequency. So maybe, maybe. Might get something. And how would you know what language? You know, if you're going way, 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 way back, you know, you could be dealing with 
you know, dead languages that can't even be deciphered anymore. So how would you understand yeah. it? Yeah, unless anybody can speak um, ancient Sumerian. <laughs> I mean, we have the Kanuya form, so, you know, we could read a tablet. I don't know how you would... Like some people might know how to pronounce it. I wouldn't. <laughs> and I wouldn't know to hear it either. So Candy says, ask Ghosty. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's... Um, yeah, and this is really just the tip of the iceberg. We're, we're talking about things that um you know like go go back the tepi you know 5% of that has been unearthed um a lot of these places are in locations that are in major political upheaval and can't be touched you know you you can't get out there you know you'd be risking your life to even try you know it's um which is a shame that there you know have parts of the world that are in so much unrest that you just can't or there might be some areas where they just won't. You know, there's. Um, you know, I've heard of stuff where, you know, at the at the Sphinx, where they were um, doing some tests around the the Sphinx, and they were, you know, for what they and I can't remember specifically what they said that they were doing, um, but in some uh, ground penetrating radar uh, tests, they found what they believe is a um, a large man-made um, chasm of some sort under the one paw of the Sphinx. And so, you know, they're, they're going to go down there and, and dig in <laughs> for it, right? Well, once the authorities, the Egyptian authorities, discovered what the heck was going on, the uh, Egyptian Antiquities Authority, you know, figured out what in the world was going on. They're like, oh, we put a whole kibosh to that. Nope, you guys are out. But yet, they've been by a few times saying that they're just doing some, you know, like repair work and some cleanup stuff and whatever. And it's, it appears to be a little bit more extensive than that. So it makes you wonder if, okay, they're kicking these people out because they're about to discover something that might defy, you know, everything we've come to know. And we're going to go check it out and make sure for ourselves what's down there. You know, um, of course, a lot of speculation about what, what might be down there, you know, Hall of Records and you know, who knows. You just don't know. So, yeah, Pungai, Fungai, Al Capone vault in the making. So, yeah, and that's, you know, some of these places that, um, you know, we just don't know. You know, um, yeah, maybe we're all an alien Petri dish from candy. <clears throat> so, Tom McNicholas, if we came from aliens, where did they come from? The stars. <laughs> They came from the stars. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's kind of the interesting thing there, Tom, is that, um, you know, you'll have some people say, well, you know, they came from this star cluster, or they came from that star cluster, all based off of, you know, whenever this was built, and that was the, you know, the star system it was based off of, and et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's really all speculation i believe so um susie randall says right on about something i said <laughs> b3 airspace says orion well maybe the egyptian ones um <laughs> candy says we can't handle the truth well that's what they think that's what they think and i guess that's kind of well 
Shauna, let's get your opinion on this. So I, I think kind of what the major issue for a lot of the uh, the world powers is that, of course, we have all these different uh, major world religions. And so if we were to discover, not even necessarily that we are from aliens, but that there are aliens out there, you know, people speculate that there would be like a massive crisis of faith you know throughout the world you think that's true massive crisis of faith and you know the whole world goes to shit i mean there are a lot of religious people out there just just believe one way you know they have just one path you know there's you know all throughout you know existence you know religion has been the cause of you know many dramatic events and wars and this and that and the other and and I think it would be a problem for some people a lot of people um, I mean oh well you know <laughs> I know that sounded that sound bad okay uh, tough it out <laughs> I mean nice you know, I mean, I know there are some people that religiously are just closed-minded. That's what you get for being closed-minded. If everybody were open-minded to other possibilities and thought outside the box and prepared for stuff like that, it probably wouldn't be such a shit show out there. Yeah. So uh, Betty throws out there, did they come from the stars or from underground? So that's an interesting question. So, of course, there is the hollow earth theory that is out there. Some people say it's not necessarily hollow but there's like enough of a honeycomb system throughout the um throughout the world that there are you know races and other beings and what have you living underground some people speculate that they came from the stars and they lived for a while up here on the surface and then went underground there's a lot of different theories so you know it makes you wonder you know there's People say there's a lot going on in the Four Corners area of the, of the United States, you know, because there's there are a lot of um, tunnels and underground caverns and things like that there. So um, you never know. Maybe, maybe. Um, so if he says, I truly believe we actually know a lot, but NASA will never release it. NASA or other government organizations. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so and there's you know the the idea that. You know, a lot of these places that really, um, that really resonate, uh, that the the government has has taken over. That um, you can't you can't get to it because the military's uh, cracked down on it. Um, there's like parts of the Grand Canyon you can't get to because for some reason NASA has control of it. Freaking Grand Canyon, you know. Um, so let's see. So it's Kathy Sillian. So there's a book written by a Russian author. He says the Anunnaki created us to be slaves. That's kind of what I was talking a little bit about uh, earlier with uh, Enki and Enlil, was that their version of the Garden of Eden was that um, the humans were working the garden as slaves and not as, you know, you know, we're in like this, you know, paradise and, you know, very happy and all that. Um and that Inky actually, you know, worked to get us out of that enslavement. Um, 
so let's see um <laughs> Kathy also says the Catholics would just say God created the aliens <laughs> well you know if if there is a you know, a, a creation source of the universe like that um whether it's you know whether it's a being like a god being or if it's a uh, a particular energy or whatever that created it all that you know, it or he or she or whatever um and that would have would have created the aliens too so it's kind of not far off um Yeah, the haggle. The world leaders are probably more worried about keeping their power than whether we'll all freak out. That's actually a very good point. <laughs> what do you think about that one, Shauna? The world leaders are more worried about keeping their power. I think that's probably pretty true. I believe that. Yeah. I can get on board with that. Yeah. Yeah, because if they don't have a way to keep you suppressed, then guess what? You're not suppressed anymore. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, what else am I missing here? So there was a question from Diane. Okay, who created, yeah, who created the creator, though? <laughs> yeah, that's always a big question. So if there is a creator, who created the creator? Yep. That's always the, the great mystical question. So, you know, whether you believe, you know, if it's, if it's God who created God. You know, if it's somebody else who created that person, it's always the big question. You know, if, you know, like even with the Big Bang, you know, okay, so this great explosion created this whole thing, okay? What was there before the Big Bang? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're saying, because, you know, there's the, the science that says you can't destroy matter, you just change its form. Well, if this is all expanding, this universe is expanding from a single point of, you know, where there was some sort of explosion and all this matter is like spreading outward. Well, what was it before that explosion? Was it just a condensed ball of matter? And if it was, then what was it in? Yeah, that's something we don't know. I have a video on my playlist that says, do we really exist? Well, yeah, I mean, we could all be in the Matrix. Like, seriously, I mean, that that's kind of the, that's almost really the, the premise of, of the whole thing is that, you know, are we really running, is this around us really reality or is reality something else? Is this just an illusion um, for us to take in? And, you know, not even, the Matrix had it as, you know, we were all enslaved it might not necessarily be that we we're all enslaved it just may be that you know that's how we're perceiving you know our environment and you know we're just you know at our core i mean we're a bunch of atoms together right um that are vibrating at a certain frequency that keeps us those vibrations keep us together that's what keeps you know, the plastic together like this in the water is a different vibration. And so, you know, they are not joined together, but um, that's what keeps the water from flowing out there. You know, the table, all that. If 
my body atoms were to vibrate at the same frequency as like this bottle i could put my hand through the bottle you know so if you could i guess vibrate at the same frequency as i don't know um some other level of the universe would you be able to see other dimensions yeah or it could be like in uh book lamb uh where you just achieve total enlightenment you just become invisible you're just <laughs> you're just there you go you become invisible <laughs> nice nice <laughs> that book is so funny that is oh uh, well um i know i missed some other stuff mike show us some pictures imagery is important i, I think i ran through all my pictures um did i have anything else um let's see here so that was all the handbags right oh i missed this one here we go the uh big shigir idol it was discovered in russia that's not the whole thing <clears throat> um this thing is seventeen thousand years old so it's it was another example of how civilization far predates what they're trying to tell us uh it existed this was um discovered in russia it's the largest known wooden sculpture in the world uh largest known oldest maybe it's the oldest <laughs> whatever it's freaking large um it's seventeen thousand years old i think that's what it was oldest uh known wooden sculpture in the world and it has all these different markings on it like i say you can't see the whole thing but you see all these kind of um, horizontal markings here near the top and then there's kind of these um like arcs uh on the next part and then it as you go further down it has other markings and no, nobody knows what the markings mean um they haven't been able to decipher that yet or maybe they're not telling us <laughs> of course um but it's just another example of how civilization far predates uh, what they've been telling us. So, and that's that's in Russia. So, um, yeah, it does look kind of freaky. <laughs> how large is it? I forget how large it is. Um, let's see. Oh, okay, that's where I got the seventeen from. I'm sorry. Um, seventeen feet tall. 11,000 years old is the oldest known wooden sculpture in the world. So, yeah, 17 feet tall. So it's pretty, it's pretty big. So yeah, there's tool, definitely tool marks on it. Um, yeah, how did it last that long? It was, um, did they find it in the ice? No, it was discovered in a peat bog. So, I mean, wood can last that long if it, um, if it's not subjected to the air, wood can actually last a, a pretty long time. So, um, yeah, in a, a peat bog would be one place where air is not getting to it. it sound, it sounds kind of weird because of the fact that, um, you know, it's wet, but 
have any of you guys seen the stuff on Oak Isle, Oak Island? So they have found stuff like wooden planks of a ship and things like that out in the swamp there, like in, you know, wooden planks from like hundreds of years ago. So I get that this is like 11,000 years old, but because the air wasn't getting to it, um, it wasn't breaking down. So, um, Donna says, still in peat should have degraded after more than 17,000 years. Um, well, except it probably wasn't a peat bog for all of those years. <laughs> the environment would have changed uh, over that the course of time. Um, I'm talking during that time, there were a couple of different um, ice ages, right? If it was 11,000 years, it would have been at least one more ice age. Um around what the eight eighty eighty two hundred year mark or whatever um there's another ice age that came in for a little while so um yeah all right well i think we'll go ahead and wrap it up because that's the all the picks that i had <laughs> and um I mean, we could beat around the bush uh, a little bit more with a few different things but um yeah, Chanel says, remember the land shift in the wood is from another region. So Chanel studied on this. All right, very cool. Very cool. So do tell. You'll probably tell it better than I because I just know a few snippets of, of the the Shigir idol. <clears throat> um, actually, the wood is in pieces. That was many sections put together. It's, it's in pieces. They had to piece it all back together. Um, you can kind of see. I'll go back to it real quick. Um so you can see the different sections there. There's just the head, and then there's two sections there that have the horizontal lines, and then next two sections. So it's all in pieces like that, um, and several of them. So, all right. And Betty, Betty's like, would bodies from the peat become ghosts? <laughs> uh, interesting. I don't know, Shano, you know, we haven't interacted with a lot of... Um, ancient spirits like that i mean usually they're a little bit younger yeah i all the more reason to go to places like that you know that to do that type of investigating you know to be able to get into places where you know you know the energy there is super old just to see what you know you can get exposed to um other than that you know i'm sure yeah, there there hasn't been any ancient energy around me as far as I know. <laughs> I mean, if they are, they're not talking. So, well, and we could go down the entire road of reincarnation too. So maybe those ancient spirits aren't around us because we are those ancient spirits. <sighs> could be. <laughs> so, all right. Well, take and. Whoops. What did you just do? <laughs> Sorry. Dropping your phone. So Tom's saying maybe we should have Haunted Road Media shows to replace Roseanne. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Donna says, yeah, it would be fascinating to investigate ancient things. Yeah, um, it, it really would be. Um, I've definitely wanted to get, Sean, I know we've talked about getting out to some of the uh, older places of the world. So... <clears throat> definitely uh, bucket list items for sure 
Have drone will travel. There you go. Have drone will travel. <clears throat> All right. So uh, let's get to the shout outs. Um, oh, uh, real quick. So next week for both Edge of the Rabbit Hole and Inside the Upside Down, we actually have it's the first time for uh, for either one of the shows. We have an in-studio guest. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> That's uh, Lee Ehrlich. He's going to be in town. Uh, he's actually coming through on his way, headed out to the Hunterworth Media Paracon. And so he'll be stopping here for a couple of days. And so uh, Tuesday, Edge of the Rabbit Hole episode will be about... How did we? Which way did we split it up? So the Edge of the Rabbit Hole episode will be talking about the uh, Hunter Road Media Paracon and Mineral Springs and a lot of the different things that we've experienced there at the Mineral Springs Hotel. And then for Inside the Upside Down, we will be discussing um, investigating underwater and uh, doing other things with water, like uh, the water-based EVPs and things like that. So uh, it will be a very interesting time with Lee. So. Uh, yes, and as Candy says, Lee is awesome. He is awesome. Yep. Yes, he is. So, all right. So, now let's get to the shout-outs. So, our Super Chat superstars, Chanel F. and Tom McNicholas. Thank you guys for the Super Chats. Really do appreciate it. So, let's get to the shout-outs. Um... Oh, B3 Aerospace is asking, Mike, are you going to try to do a video during the Paracon or a live feed? Yeah, we'll do something. We'll definitely do something during the Paracon. So, um, well, let's see. So the night so the night before, uh, we are investigating the night before the Paracon, and so we will go live from there. Um, we'll do some, We'll pro and I guess we'll probably do a live investigation uh, from Mineral Springs Saturday night as well. Uh, and then we'll do some live, uh, probably Facebook stuff, you know, walking around and saying, hey, here's all the different, you know, speakers and vendors. And stuff. We'll, we'll definitely do some live stuff uh, throughout the time on multiple platforms. So, um, all right. So, here we go. So, we got uh, JoJo B. Thank you very much. Oh, guys, uh, say uh, thank you to Donna Gorton for um, Cheshire Cat chatting in the chat. Uh, there is Pungai Fungi. Thank you very much. Um, Donna says, Bonnie says she'll take me around live too. Cool. There's Candy Orton. Thank you very much, Candy. Uh, Kathy Siliento, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Sean Oldsmith from Australia. Thank you. I think Robert White's in here too, isn't he? Uh, our Australia brethren. There's Beat 3 Airspace. And there is Spooky Dawn. Thank you very much. Uh, April Wimigwans, thank you for joining us again tonight. Uh, Chipper Terry, thanks again. Zip Davis, so our um, uh, Deep Down the Rabbit Hole Patreon patrons. Gotta give you guys the, the big shout out. So there is Tom McNicholas, B3 Airspace, Zippy Davis, BD Flint, Pamela Queen, and Don Francisco. Thank you guys very much for being our Deep Down the Rabbit Hole Patreon patrons. And so let's see more shout outs here. There's Gucci Star. Thank you very much. <laughs> There's. Uh, Commander Gaming, Connor. <laughs> Hi, Connor. Uh, good to see you in there. Uh, there's uh, Betty and Wayne Lange. Thank you very much. We'll see you at the Paracon. Uh, Susie Randall, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, Tim Schoen, thanks again. Really do appreciate it. Who 
else do we have in here? There's the Haglin. Thank you as well. Um, Shay Carroll. Thank you. And I know, well, Adam Tillery was in here. Yep, there's Adam. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Tammy Heitzman. Thank you very much. And anybody else? Anybody else? I'm going to scroll all the way back down. See if there's anybody else in here. Uh, Sherry Willimon, thank you very much. And there's Diane Hilbert. And I think that's probably going to be about it. All right. So, all right, everybody. Thank you very much. Really do appreciate you coming out. As um, Like I said, this was something that I've wanted to do for a while now. I had that series. Uh, I tried to kick off a few years ago. And so maybe we'll do a little bit more of this. Let me know what you guys uh, think. Maybe we'll do a little bit more of this down the road, trying to get into some more of this, some of the more ancient origins, kind of where we come from, how that plays into uh, the supernatural activity. I mean, we kind of briefly touched on a little bit with uh, ley lines and maybe some portal activity at Stonehenge. Uh, you know, a little bit about you know, some energy at the different monuments, but, you know, something we can explore a little bit more. Just uh, just let us know, and we'll see what we can do here. So, all right, everybody, you have a great night, and we'll see you next time.